you have a Bible, you can maybe turn to Joshua and chapter 1, uh, page 178 on the, the Pew Bibles. And we come to this uh, series of sermons on Joshua, uh, entitled A Window into Christ's Church, looking in, in every chapter to seeing aspects uh, of Christ's church. And I'm sure you can anticipate some of those that the discipline uh, with uh, Achan in, in chapters 6 and 7, and then the importance of prayer with the Gibeonites in, in chapters 10. Uh, and we'll be looking at different aspects. And today we're thinking of faithful service. Some things can be changed without any notice taken off them. Sometimes those things are are unseen, like our socks. Uh, You probably changed your socks at some point this week and and nobody uh, noticed uh, that change. Sometimes things can be changed and no one noticed because they are similar. You maybe have worn a new work suit and you always wear a grey work suit and no one realised that you'd purchased a new suit. But there are other changes which are big and noticeable and cataclysmic and everyone notices. Currently in the Australian cabinet an issue has been raised which is considered a massive change. The change is that KFC is using cabbage instead of lettuce in its Zinger burger. And the the president of Australia considers this change to be so momentous that he has put it on the agenda for next week's cabinet meeting. Cabbage instead of lettuce. What a change that is. And here in Joshua, we are encountering a massive change. Moses, the dominant leader of the Old Testament church up to this point, for the past 40 years, his life has come to an end. His service is over. And a new leader is arising now, Joshua. And this book records that new chapter, that big change, and setting out for us at the very beginning attributes of faithful service. The Hebrew Bible places Joshua among the prophets. It's divided into the law, the Psalms, and the prophets. And it emphasizes that Joshua is more than a history. It has a prophetic dimension to it. There, are, there is theology and, and doctrine here, and, and we're looking at the doctrine of the church. Matthew Henry summarizes it in his statement that in this book there is much of God and providence and much of Christ and grace. It's more than a history of the conquest of the land in the first half and the distribution of the land in the second. There is a prophetic dimension a theological theme and essence to this book. Probably written around 1400 uh, BC, mostly by Joshua, I would assert. And we're considering today faithful service. And I, with great effort, time and toil, have been able to reduce the attributes of faithful service to seven. So, seven short points. The first is, we're all dispensable. Isn't that right? 
An attribute of faithful service recognizes that I and everyone else, however great they are, is dispensable in God's reckoning. And here we have it here. Moses, my servant, is dead. The word servant is only used, and this is incredible, isn't it? The word servant of God was only used in the Pentateuch of Moses. Think of all the outstanding believers in the Pentateuch. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Caleb. But it's only of Moses that this title is used. My servant. The word does contain a sense of humility. But in this instance it also contains a sense of privilege and elevation. Moses. My servant. You see the distinction being noted here in verse 1. Joshua was Moses' assistant. But Moses was God's servant. Numbers 12 describes this privilege, you remember. With him, I speak mouth to mouth, clearly, and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Moses the gifted, the privileged, the godly, the intercessor with God when he was bent on destroying the people of Israel. Moses, the recipient of the Ten Commandments. What privilege, what heights, what honor bestowed upon this single mortal man. Moses, my servant. But his race is run now. His time is over. But God's work goes on. It's not Moses that leads the people into the promised land. It's another. He's dispensable. His time is over. His work is finished. But God's program keeps going. And one attribute of our faithful service is that recognition in others and in ourselves that we are all dispensable. We look back as we thought with the children on ministers and elders and members within this congregation and perhaps other congregations in which you have lived and served who have been so influential on your life and today you wish they were here. And we miss their influence and their guidance and their support. But in God's church, his work goes on. And he comes to Joshua in this very context of speaking of the departure of Moses in verse 2. And he says, now therefore arise, it's your time. I'm calling on you now to serve, to live, to work, to pray, to suffer. One attribute of faithful service is we are dispensable. But a second attribute emphasized in this chapter is that Christ is supreme. 
Christ is supreme. We are weak and mortal and passing and limited in our time and efforts, but Christ is supreme. He is to be our focus, the one we are to exalt and to see and to glorify in the church. Joshua is among the former prophets in its location in the Hebrew Bible. And one element of that prophecy and theology contained in Joshua is to show Jesus Christ in his church that he is their leader. He is the one who is king and lord and supreme. And we have this so evidently in Joshua, don't we, in the connection between the name of Jesus and the name of Joshua. The Greek word for Jesus is the very same Greek word used in the the Septuagint, the Greek version of the Old Testament for Joshua. So Joshua in the Old Testament is Jesus in the New Testament. Moses changed Joshua's name in Numbers chapter 11. He changed his name from Hoshea, which means salvation, to Joshua, which means the Lord is salvation. It was significant in the character of Joshua that he would be the savior, the one who would bring them into the promised land, but had had deeper and greater significance pointing forward to Jesus, God's savior, coming for us. And we can see it clearly, can't we? We can see the big picture. We can see the redemptive history. Here is Moses with his laws and his threats. And his commands replaced by Jesus, by Joshua. The law fades away and Jesus emerges. And as we serve, as we live, as we feel the temporariness of our life and service, our emphasis is to be on the abiding glory of Jesus. And how do we do that? In our service within the church, we do it by transforming our view of one another. Jesus taught us, inasmuch as you perform a little act of service to a fellow church member, You have done it to me. In our service within the church, we don't just think of the age of the object of our service or the personality of the object of our service or the idiosyncrasies of the object of our service. We think of their union to Christ. And when we serve them, We serve Christ. Faithful service. Christ is supreme. Thirdly, in our faithful service, others matter. And here in this chapter, there is this moving of Joshua from his commission, from his calling, out into service, and he involves others in a range of ways. 
And there are three ways in which others are involved in this chapter. Verse 10 and 11, he speaks to what is called here the officers of the people. It's a term which emerges in numbers. It's found in chronicles. It seems they were royal officials, like our civil service. Uh, They were the the kind of state parallel uh, of the priests. And Joshua uses them to organize the people to get them ready to move across the Jordan. He could have done this himself. He could have done this better himself. He had been to the land of Canaan as a spy. He he knew its contours. He knew what was involved in traveling there. But he delegates this task to others because in faithful service, others matter. In some congregations, there's... There's too much delegation. And the minister and elders are lazy. In other congregations, perhaps, there's too little delegation. Delegation includes others, empowers others, uses the peculiar gifts of others. But then there's cooperation in verses 12 to 15. Joshua not only addresses the officers of the people, he also addresses those two and a half tribes on the other side of the Jordan. He wants to include them. See verse 14, he encourages those two and a half tribes at the very end that they will help their brothers. God could have granted the conquest of the land of Canaan to the other nine and a half tribes. He could have enabled them to succeed by his power and his strength, but for unity and inclusiveness, others are included in this work. This is a dimension of faithful service that others matter. Others are involved. We help others in their work and calling and ministry. Is that a dimension of our life? Are we helping others fulfill the calling that they have upon their experience? Are we part of this operation? Are we important working cogs in this machinery? The the imagery of the, the body that is used of the universal and local church emphasizes the the contribution that each of us has to make. And then in verses 16 to 18, uh, there is submission here, is the, the allegiance of these two and a half tribes, or perhaps the, the 12 tribes being given to Joshua. They recognize his authority, his divine call by God, this position of leadership which he has been given, and, and they submit themselves to this and, and promise him their support and following. Others matter by delegation, by cooperation, by submission. As we live and serve and work within a local congregation, it is another important principle to live out. A fourth principle is trust and service. Trust 
and service. You notice how in verses 2 to 4, the word given is repeatedly used. Sometimes it's even used in the past tense in verse number 3. I have given you the land as if it had already occurred. Such was the, the definiteness of the conquest of the land of Canaan. But alongside of God's promise, of God's donation to the people of God's fulfilling his, his purpose to Abraham, Isaac and to Jacob were the repeated commands here in verses 2 to 4. Arise, cross over the Jordan, conquer the land. Alongside of God's promise was the activity of God's people. And we will come to see in Joshua that that activity included failure. It included sin. It included waywardness. It included disappointment. It included prayer. It included death. And here is this important balance that has been set before us of trusting in God's promises, but also of serving within the world. Some of us are very strong on trusting God's promises. And we believe that God will build his church no matter what I do. And in some sense, that is the case. But, but we're not to so trust God's promises that we rule ourselves out of praying for his church, of encouraging one another in the ways of Christ, of witnessing to those who are unbelievers, trusting and serving. Perhaps some of us are really strong on serving that my friendliness, my personality, my enthusiasm, what will bring around change and advance and benefit within Christ's church. Faithful service includes trusting and serving God's people. The fifth principle is the sufficiency of God's grace. The sufficiency of God's grace. Doesn't this encourage us? What a task lay before the people. Can you imagine it? The first task was getting across the Jordan River. And then to, to conquer this land which the, the verses say in verse number 4. The land of the Hittites. It was occupied. The Hittites were in pockets dotted throughout the land of Canaan. And so this phraseology in verse 4. They were trained, they were capable soldiers, and yet the task was to, to conquer this land. The land was, was big, and you see in verse 4 how the, the, the broad dimensions that are given from the wilderness in the south to Lebanon in the north, the great river Euphrates in the east, the great sea in the west. It was an occupied land. It was a large land. How could the church conquer this? They had been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They hadn't much military experience and yet they were being called to take this land which God had promised to their ancestors. How would this come about? Only through the sufficiency of God. He says in verses 5 and 6, I will be with you. 
I will not leave you or forsake you. Great was their task, but far greater than their or our task is the all-sufficiency of the God who calls us to serve him and fulfill our task. The apostle, as he considered the spread of the gospel in the first century, was in this very same position. He saw vast lands far beyond Rome where people he had heard of were, were inhabited and in darkness and unbelief. And he asked the question, who is sufficient, who is able for such a calling? And his answer was the very same as that given to Joshua. I will be with you. Don't we see Christ here at this very point? Speaking to us in Hebrews 13 verse 5. I will never leave you or forsake you. It was a promise given to Isaac in chapter 26 of Genesis a promise given to Jacob in his life, a promise given to Joseph at the very depths of his experience in the prison in Genesis 39, a promise given to the teetering Moses as he felt his inadequacies at the burning bush. Go, Moses, I will be with you. And here is Joshua, and here is you and I, faced with challenges to be a good husband, a good wife, a good employee, a good servant of Christ, to live consistently in public and in private. Jesus says, I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. The sixth principle of faithful service is the centrality of God's word in verse 7 and 8. How do we live? What guides us? What is the compass? What is the authority under which we bend and bow? What is the code that we follow? It's set out for Joshua here, isn't it? The book of the law. The commands given by Moses. The directions from Mount Sinai. That inspired and erit word of God, those ethics which he sets out in the Ten Commandments and then in the civil and judicial laws. That book of the law. He's to meditate on it. To allow it to seep into his being. He's to to speak about it. It's to be in his mouth and in the directions and laws and conversations he has. God's word is to be the parameters within which he speaks. These to obey it fully, not turning to the left hand or to the right. This echoes the instructions given to kings in Deuteronomy chapter 17. They were to avoid buying excessive amounts of horses. They were to avoid taking numerous wives. They were to avoid storing up excessive amounts of gold and silver, lest their hearts be turned from God. What were they to do then? They were to write out a copy of God's law, to read it each day and to follow it in their life and rule. Here is a principle of faithful service. Imbibing God's word. Living God's word. Submitting to the word of God.
And lastly, a principle of faithful service that dominates this chapter and dominates Scripture is that heaven awaits us. Heaven awaits us. You notice in this chapter in verse 13 and 15, Joshua speaks to these soldiers about the rest that lies ahead. Sitting under their vine and fig tree, as the the Bible puts it, the, the putting down of arms. The last time they will march. The relaxing with their families in their own homes and gardens and fields. The rest that lies ahead. And this rest was to inspire them and move them on and encourage them that the battle is not going to be endless. That there will come a cessation of conflict and we will enjoy the victory and the rest. And this is a principle which is to permeate our service within the congregation that the time for prayer will come to an end. The time of battling sin will be over. The time for using our gifts within a local congregation will cease one day and we will enter the rest, the peace, and the joy of heaven. The young people sitting exams are really aware at this time that this is the time to study. The time for the the long nights, the time for the early mornings, the time for consuming large amounts of coffee, the time for the, the headaches, the time for opening the books. It's now. The summer holidays will be the time of rest and relaxation and ease. But not now. And that rest that awaits you helps you now, helps you to carry the burden and the load of hard study, that this won't be endless. The rest will come. As Joshua and his troops began this journey of conflict and conquest, they did so with this hope, with this assurance that God had promised them a rest. Is in heaven described this way for believers. Revelation 14, they rest from their labors. A rest of eternal peace and glory and worship lies beyond our struggles, our wrestling, our battling, our serving. Faithful service. What a servant Moses was. What a servant Joshua will be. And he's not given the title servant until the last chapter. But but he is given it. Like Moses, the, the privileged and outstanding servant of God. Joshua became a privileged and outstanding servant of God. What servants they were. But they were only servants. Hebrews 3 verse 5 contrasts Moses, the servant, with Jesus, 
the Son. Everyone in the house, however great, however gifted, however hard we work, we're servants. But the great one in the church is Jesus, the Son. And yet, he became the servant to deal with our failings and our flaws and our weaknesses as his people that one day we can experience his rest and blessing.